Welcome to Inside the Agency. I'm your host, Michelle Govan. I'm your co-host, Nicole Shawcross. Well, hello. Hello. We have the fabulous <laughs> Sebastian Roche with us today, actor, many yeah. talents. So we want to talk about how you got your start. I think you're born an actor, pretty much. Some people don't realize it till later. Uh, I think, you know, as a kid, very early on, I knew that I had as kind of a gift to entertain people, to do impressions. I used to love doing impressions. And I was, you know, blessed to be raised, you know, in, in, a, in a sort of polyglot family, you know, spoke many languages. So that really helps you as an actor, I think, to, to embody different personalities and characters. Uh, so I would do it in French and Spanish. I, I learned Spanish when I was young too. So, you know, it started very early, but then, you know, I lived, then I was taken away from quote unquote civilization, meaning uh, actually, which now I would will reverse because, you know, going back to nature, that's real civilization. Living in an urban environment isn't. But so for six years, you know, from the age of 12 to 18, I lived on a sailing boat all over the world, came back, and then really uh, had that desire always to become an actor. And I, you know, arrived in London, couldn't afford to go to drama school in, in England and managed to go to drama school in France because I spoke both languages for free. I, I managed to audition for different schools, which I got into uh, until I got into like the best French, you know, nationals, Francophile national school uh, I could find, which was the Conservatoire. And that's how I started. I'd started working before that, you know, doing small parts in movies, doing theater uh, quite early. Uh, at the age of 21, I was at the Edinburgh Festival where I played, um, I actually played Hamlet, which mm -hmm, was amazing. one of the most extraordinary experiences of my acting life, actually, because even if you're not prepared to play Hamlet, the, the play is a monument of literature. Uh, for me, it's actually one of the most important books ever written, you know, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it embodies everything. If you read Hamlet and you actually study it, 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 it addresses so many parenting, incest, uh, uh, religion, uh, 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 mental health. It, it addresses revenge, tragedy, jealousy, love. Um, it's an life. extraordinary life. It's, it's, it's one of the most extraordinary plays, you know, within that, that universe. Anyway, so at the end of 21... So that you know, I'd started acting before that, doing plays, and and but it's really when I finished doing Hamlet that I decided to go to drama school afterwards. And in a way, was it the best decision? I I really don't know because I think that if you've performed Hamlet for two months, uh, it's it's it. I think it's it's as much an apprenticeship in two months that you can sometimes have for three years or four years in, a, in an acting school where you are, where you are actually study in an unnatural environment. Right. It's You're extreme not, training. Very it's quick. extreme training. It's extraordinary, you know, and mm -hmm. you get voice training, you get, uh, you get to learn how to, to do an Alexandrin or an iambic pentameter, which I knew before that. So, you know, 
I, it was beneficial to me in all the things that I didn't never wanted to do as an actor. So that was my experience of drama school. Uh, so in a way, every experience, uh, uh, even a negative one is, is always enriching, you know, right. it's, it's like a divorce. You go, you're going through it. It's terrible. And then you look back 10 years later and you're like, it's the best thing that happened to me. So, you know, yeah. the, every experience anyway, well, I'm diverging, but I started quite early. You started early. Hey, listen, you brought up a couple important points that I want to bring up. Yeah, yeah. And you do speak multiple languages. You can do multiple accents. Yeah. And this really has opened a lot of doors for you. Yeah. I do think that knowing languages is a form of training. Mm -hmm. But I also think that studying great authors is another form of training. And, you know, great authors doesn't necessarily mean Shakespeare. It can be Edward Albee. It can be Pinter. It can be, you know, uh, Donald Margulis or Tracy Letts, who are great, um, who are great, you know, uh, uh, more than, they're more than writers. They, 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 they really are, you know, the gymnastics of words and, 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 when you actually apply those words to acting or you, it, it really heightens your performance. So you have these kind of authors and I think it's always really important to study in that respect. You know, why is Adam driver who's the new generation of actors so good? Right. Because he has extraordinary training, you know, not only in the experience of life, you know, him having been a Marine, but you see the embodiment of the work. And he decided then to go to Juilliard. Mm -hmm. And at Juilliard, you don't just sit around and, you know, and, and do psychological. Because, you know, I've, I've gone to classes, you know, in, in, in America. And uh, sometimes rather than studying the text, which I think is the primordial thing you should do as an actor, you go into this sort of psychobabble. And you're going to, you know, I, I've never seen more people crying than at, you know, uh, uh, an acting class. And I thought to myself, oh, these people are actually coming here because they can't afford therapy, you know. So, <laughs> and and it really is that in a way. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm not being yes. a bit mean, but what I'm no, saying. theater school is very thera it's therapeutic. <laughs> it's super therapeutic. And a lot of people go there to try and experience life and experience past memories, which is a very Meisner-like technique, et cetera. There are all sorts of technique, but the, you know, the, 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 the great actors have the technique of life. You know, Brando, people always said Brando uh, uh, was doing the method. He didn't. He studied with, with Stella Adler. Uh, uh, and, and Stella Adler as a person was the one who gave him the most, you know, like me, I studied with this French genius theater actor called Michel Bouquet. He's the one who gave me the most. Mm -hmm. And I actually can remember just a few sentences of what he told me, but it was all had to do with the text. Right. And I think you often see that there's not enough training and, you know, and, 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 and um, I don't know why I went there, but um, we're oh, talking about language. Kind of, and, and, yeah. you know, the, and I've been very lucky to, to have not only have training in the art of theater or text. It doesn't, you don't necessarily have to do theater, but I've been very lucky to be able to speak many languages. And I've sought out that knowledge because, you know, I didn't really speak as good Spanish, uh, as good a Spanish as I thought. I started speaking Italian because I thought it was beautiful. And I'm always interested in in how 
a language sounds and how I can make it the most uh, authentic. You know, I don't speak German, but I did play a German character in Man in High Castle. You and I was, I was damned if I was going to do a shitty job at it. I can't. I just wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror. So but you dive into your characters and your yeah, characters yeah, I, tend to have yeah. either a lot of depth or a lot of grit. And these yeah. languages, I think, have really expanded your opportunities. Yeah, I've been very lucky in that respect. You know, at the same time, it, it's also, I think, as much as it expanded my, my repertoire, it, it might have also put a, a sort of banner on me saying, oh, he's the guy who does accents. Can he do an American accent? You know, <laughs> so, you know, because this, the problem I, I, I find sometimes with this business is the lack of... Um, Imagination? Yes, that's the word. <laughs> Thank you very you much. You nailed Nicole. it. <laughs> I kind of nailed it. You, you realize there's a lack, a, a true lack of imagination or actually of suspension of disbelief. You know, you, you, you need to be able to trust the actor. They'll trust a movie star nevertheless. If he does even, you know, uh, uh, you know if, if some Aussie actor who I will not name did avatar <laughs> i know who you're can do an accent like that you know it's fine he's a, he's a good actor but you know if you're allowing that kind of person to why are you being nitpick why are you nitpicking in 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 an office about an accent that you that i know i will do very well once the finished uh, product is done which i always have when faced with that reality yeah. I find it interesting because of your knowledge of language and your knowledge of accents and the work that you've put into it. Uh, I think it's created these really incredible, complex characters that I would yeah. think have expanded your range and chameleon esqueness as a an actor. Not yeah, you're a true actor. You. Yeah, but you know, it's funny. I've asked so many times. I've, I've been in situations where I played characters that were so rich and and that were. And I, and I basically told the showrunners, you know, you can use that if you want. You know, I can speak five languages if you want. Use it. It's interesting. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. So yeah. it's, it's sometimes, so there is that, you know. And then you have the wonderful experience that I had on, on, on The Man in the High Castle where, where in a way I, 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 I went to a sort of different level of acting because I realized that, the, the 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 whole show was produced to be the best that it could in terms of the writing you know even though there were problem show running problems you know every season it still was such a high quality show and you and people took their time and you could really really invest yourself into your character and work hard into into creating that reality it was it was well, the casting was amazing on that yeah, yeah. show and very, not very. one actor was a weak actor and yeah. everyone yeah. did take their role very seriously including yeah. yourself and i know yeah. you learning the german accent as well <laughs> yeah, as you did yeah. led you to more opportunities that we yeah, have yeah, worked yeah. through together yeah. because of how well you did that accent i mean yeah, do you yeah. have any favorite projects that you that really stood out to you, like working with Jude Law, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends. You know, yeah, the Young Pope was a really interesting experience because you know I remember not everyone wanted me to do the Young Pope, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was, I believe, you know, I was listening to an interview of a great director who said, you know, 
never do anything about with for the money. I mean, sometimes you you want to do something for the money because it's it's it does help you. But and when you're in the situation of someone who is extremely Necessity. successful, you yeah. Um, but this was a really this was someone. It's so interesting. This was someone who seemed to have followed me. I remember reading the the, the script for this must be the place. And thinking this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. Read, and you know it's not one of my favorite movies by uh, um, um, uh, the director of La Grande Bellezza, uh, Paolo Sorrentino. You know I speak Italian too, so and and then I saw many of Paolo Sorrentino's movies, The Great Beauty, which I think is an absolute masterpiece, very reminiscent of Fellini, who is one of my favorite directors. And I thought to myself, I, I got to work with this guy. And, and next thing you know, I get an audition to, to be in The Young Pope. I put it on tape. It, and, and, you know, as is often the case, it's like, you must send it tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because we're so, it's the last. And, and so I'm basically looking at six pages of a monologue. And, and I think to myself, well, I just have to read it off the page. But, you know. The writing was so extraordinary that it sort of transported me. I basically was like, I'm, I'm trusting the author. I'm just going to let myself be guided by the author. And I, I did the audition, didn't hear from it forever. And, and I remember the, I was shooting The Vampire Diaries or the originals. Mm -hmm. And I was taking off, just before taking off, I got a phone call saying, you got the part. And I thought, wow. And then, you know, at the same time, I was offered something for a lot of money. And there was no question in my mind which one I, I was supposed to, to, to take, even though it was a very frustrating shoot to be on because, you know, you wanted, I, I as much as I think Sorrentino's a brilliant writer, this was a frightfully underwritten part right. in, in the context of the whole series, you know, and the importance that in a way he had, but it was an extraordinary experience working with him with Sorrentino, with working with Jude Law, working with James Cromwell, with these extraordinary Italian actors who I'd seen before. So, and Diane Keaton, even though I had no scenes with her. I remember one, actually my favorite scene that I worked on with Sorrentino was a scene where there was no dialogue. Mm -hmm. It was a scene where we're coming out, uh, James Cromwell just died and we're coming out and we're all crying and I'm walking next to Jude Law, Diane Keaton, and these, um, what's his, these wonderful Italian actors. And he put on the wind machine and you could see, and we had to look up and the trees were, were moving. And I, and I know his universe and I, could, and I imagined exactly what he was trying to do. And it was a super wide shot because I love to ask about these things. And I thought to myself, this is just magical. So that was my favorite scene. It was very, very emotional, even though there was a massive wind, loud wind machine. So these experiences you can't replace. No, you can't. But I, I love the fact that you chose the young Pope over something that was more lucrative <laughs> yeah. because to you, this fed your soul. This is what, yeah, yeah. this is I where you knew you wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think I, I, I would have advised younger actors, you know, to go, you have time, you know, you, you look at, you know, when you're lucky to be younger, especially now there, there's, there's, there's so much, uh, there's so much material for younger actors, you know, 
seek out those opportunities to go to these first-time filmmakers who do films for nothing. Sometimes my, my favorite movies sometimes have been movies where I was paid peanuts, not even, you know, scale. Um, we were doing guerrilla filmmaking and it was the most exciting, these were the most exciting moments, you know. Um, I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's wonderful if you have success very early and it can, it also, it's a double-edged sword, you know. It's, it's good to go through the work how Sorry. do you manage all of the ebbs and flows within the industry and even in, within the career? I don't. <laughs> You're waiting, very... holding the phone for my phone call. Right? No, but I mean, I've been very lucky to work and, you know, and when I look then at my resume, I go, oh shit, I've done a lot of stuff. You certainly I've have. I've been around, you know, I am very luckily and, and, and recognized as a good actor and, uh, so that for me is the most important. You know, sometimes I want to tell young actors, you know, think about the craft, think about your craft. Don't think about your followers. Don't think about what the perception of you is. Think about your craft. I really, you know, I, I would, I, I would send, he, he might've been lucky, but you know, send, you know, look at Adam Driver. You know, in our day, in our day and age where people worry so much about plastics of a person and, and so much importance is put on youth and, and beauty, you know, you look at Adam Drive, you go, how is he going to have a career? But why did he have a career? Because first of all, this is a very, a very interesting, introspective man who, who really cares about the craft. And he, you can see that he cares deeply about it and he commits a thousand percent and he was ready to take massive risks his his performance in girls is super risky mm -hmm. it's fucking ballsy as well it's balls to the wall and which led to a magnificent career you know he's he's truly he's going to have he's going to continue having that career because of the choices he made so you know um the ebbs and flows for me, yeah, you know, there are great frustrations because, you know, sometimes you feel overqualified. And um, if I can say so, sometimes you, you feel that there are underqualified people uh, making decisions for someone who's overqualified. And it's very difficult to deal with, but sometimes you just have to accept it. It's very difficult. And sometimes, you know, you, 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 you are very close to, to your goal and you're auditioning for people who you admire more than anything in the world. Uh, and, and, and they let you know that you are brilliant, but you don't get the part, you know, and that's part of, because, and, it, and it's nothing to do with your talents. It has to do with a look, uh, age. But, you know, at the same time, some of these auditions are, incredibly rewarding even though like it hurts Macbeth. <laughs> yeah 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 I would, yeah you know they couldn't have been nicer you know i met with with my heroes i'd worked with 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 uh with uh, francis mcdormand before mm -hmm. denzel washington and I, uh, uh, but you know this was a project that i really thought i had Mm -hmm. judging from my audition and from the reception, they couldn't have been nicer. We thought and you had it. <laughs> we, we, everyone thought I had that. You know, I met with yeah. Joel Cohen, one of my all-time heroes. I mean, you have no idea how much I love the Cohen brothers. They're fantastic. Uh, oh, my God. You know, and and, and the, they couldn't have been nicer. It was an extraordinary 
a week actually because you know I, I did the tape uh, they loved it then I met with them they loved it then I met with them again and then they gave yeah. me a bigger part to read and so you know the hope goes up but the experience of being with them you see that's where an audition that doesn't bear fruit can become an extraordinary experience because they couldn't have been nicer and when you're you know when you're doing a scene with Francis McDormand Nothing, Nothing else that. matters. Nothing else matters. <laughs> when, Joel Cohn, when Joel Cohn tells you that was really good, you know, nothing else matters, you know. So, yeah, yeah you know, what's worse is when you go and you're, you're, you go into a room and people have no idea what they're doing and they not, don't necessarily know how to treat someone respectfully. Uh, it's very difficult to accept without wanting to literally tear the whole office down. Uh, so, you know, so hard, you know, a casting director because, you, came you know, on and said, you yeah. have to go in and give yeah. so much without anything coming back to you. And yeah. I think it's hard. Let's say when you, you have, prepared 15 yeah. pages, you walk yeah. in and yeah. casting isn't looking up from their cell phone. Yeah. They might be yeah. taping you, but to you, you're like, yeah. hey, I just need that respect not, for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's not always the case. You really have people who are sometimes who love you and want to help you. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think there is room for improvement in America to, 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 I think in general, uh, <laughs> I think there is room for improvement. You know, I think casting directors need to take a little more time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my experience now, you know, with having uh, auditioned in France, England is, ex is incredible. You walk in and they're literally going, Thank you so much for <laughs> literally kissing the ground. You. I mean, they're, they're, they're thanking you. They treat you truly as a professional and they, they give you time to, to relax. They're like, are you, are you okay? Let's read it cold so you get rid of the nerves. They seem to understand the process uh, very well. And I remember work, uh, working with Lucinda Sison on something and I remember saying, oh, I think that was really good. She was like, no, we've got to do it better. I want you to get this role, you know? Yeah. And I thought to myself, wow, this is really extraordinary. Um, and I do think that New in New York, I had better experiences, but LA, you know, I have my favorite casting directors who are wonderful. And there are, you know, offices where, where they don't seem to have the time or, or the patience mm -hmm. or the wherewithal. So you, you have to really, I really think there needs to be a, an overhaul, you know, I mean, and now that we're at the time of, I mean, we are in an overhaul. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement has nothing to do with that. It's, no, it's, I meant in general, COVID, in general, Black yeah. Lives Matter. Yeah. I know, mean, this time that we're living right now is, is a truly extraordinary time in terms of, it really is an truly extraordinary time. It's raised so many existential questions. Uh, it's definitely a time of growth. That's yeah. for sure. A absolute growth. Yeah. Yeah. Says he lying on his bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sebastian's very yeah. cozy while we're shooting. I, I don't podcast. know if I'm diverging a lot. I tend to diverge and go into different. No, subjects. it's great. It's yeah. great. Any, Do you have any advice? Um, if you were to give advice f to your younger self based on the knowledge you have today, oh what would you tell yourself? <laughs> Holy shit. Not get married at 19. Sorry, that was in her invoice. Oh, yeah, voice. that you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> oh, my God. Advice to my younger self would have been be more patient, rein in that temper. <laughs> <laughs> what temper? Yeah, I, I, I tended to have to 
No, I'll take responsibility for the fact that, well, there's a difference between temper now and I, I do have a temper, you know. I You're passionate. I'm, I'm very passionate and, and I can sometimes be, how shall I put it, in a sort of, um, a ther- in a therapy I use my amygdala a bit too much sometimes. You know, the amygdala is, is, is basically the fight or flight, uh, reactive, instantly reactive brain. Um, I wish that sometimes I would react with the sort of um, reasonable part of my brain. It happens. Um, when I was younger, it didn't happen as much. Uh, I know there was, you know, it was really fascinating arriving in New York when I was young, there was a huge amount of interest for me. I started working with huge actors when I was young. You know, I, my first play was with Al Pacino on Broadway. I mean, on Broadway, it was actually uh, in regional theater, but it was close to New York. Um, and, you know, he's the one who chose me. I auditioned for him. And that was my first gig. And then I worked with Judy Taymor. So mm-hmm. I, was, I suddenly arrived in the sort of top tier of, Theater, which, you know, theater is really important to me, which is why I didn't come to L.A. Um, and then I started, you know, getting a lot of interest from huge casting directors auditioning for huge projects, you know, with Baz Luhrmann for Romeo and Juliet, with John McTiernan for Die Hard with a Vengeance, you know, for the Jeremy oh, Irons role. Amazing. But these things, it's really interesting. You would have been amazing in Die Hard. I, I see you. In yeah, they wanted you were younger, like- though. Well, they wanted someone young, much younger than uh, Hans Gruber. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, him to be this young, crazy. Uh, but then, you know, and when they told me, well, it's between you and Jeremy Irons, I was like, Jeremy Irons is never going to fucking do this. He's, <laughs> he's, he's an art, you know, he does artsy shit. And then, of course, he, and I was like, well, you know, there's nothing I can do against Jeremy Irons. Uh, yeah, advice to my younger self, just be more patient. Uh, um, it's hard to be patient when you're young, uh, but patience and, and being more measured and listening more uh, would have been beneficial to me. Um, you know, I was raised in a very French environment. And it's funny now that I watch French movies, I'm like, holy shit, everyone is screaming at one another. It's a passion insane. again. Passion. <laughs> well, it's, this, it's a different cultural approach mm-hmm. to things. So I came in with my, even though I sounded British, I came in with a very French approach to dealing with adversity or dealing with life in general, which is very confrontational. And uh, and I do believe that it it, it created uh, problems. I mean, I've been working, I, I I work, I worked constantly, but you know, it's it's yeah, it's lately I've tried to calm down, <laughs> even though I still have that, as we say in French, the mustard that goes up to your nose, la moutarde de Montonnet, <laughs> meaning you want to fucking punch someone in the face. But you know, uh, yeah, it's. You know, the one thing, the one constant that I have is that I absolutely adore being on a movie set. And I think that I'm really, I think people really enjoy having me on a movie set because I'm super serious, super enthusiastic, super accommodating. I have unbelievable respect for the crew that is around me. You know, if I had advice to tell young actors, 
respect the crew. Trust me. 100%. Uh, and the crew, trust me, they talk. <laughs> well, you never know when one of those ADs is going to turn into the next director down the line. But it's not even this that. It's people, you no, know, that's how sure. reputations are forged. Right. You know, be humble. Uh, listen. Ask questions from your older actors too. You know, mm -hmm. be respectful of everyone, even the extras, because sometimes the extras can start talking to you and they'll li literally start talking, <laughs> telling you about their lives. You still have to be patient and kind and respectful. You know, I remember when I was doing the last of the Mohicans watching Daniel Day-Lewis because, you know, uh, you know, sometimes producers can treat background actors like shit. And I remember he left, it was raining. We all went under the tents and the extras were left outside in the rain. And, and Daniel said, why are they all in the rain? He says, and, you know, because they were waiting for to eat. And uh, they said, well, you know, they, they you know, uh, it's, it's talent needs to, he says, no, no, no. Nobody's having food till all the background, you know, come into the tent and they're going to eat with us. And I remember seeing that thinking, you know, that's how, that's how you're a number one on a call sheet. You, you have to set the example. And, uh, you know, anyone who's out there being the lead of a TV series, who's very young, start being super humble, kind and respectful. It's, it, you will be at your strongest. Being it's an asshole well. only weakens you. A hundred percent. I totally yeah. agree advice. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I always love it when I'm flipping channels and I find old Sex in the City episodes oh with your God. face. Yes. <laughs> An old Supernatural episode. Oh, my God. Old anything episode. But God. I think one of my favorite projects you did since we've been working together, it was Genius. The photos with Picasso, yeah, yeah, with Antonio yeah. Banderas. The yeah, photos that, was... <laughs> that you would send with your stash and your yeah, outfits. Yeah. and It was a really, yeah. do you know what? Genius Picasso, even though the role, I mean, I enjoyed the role, but, um, you know, of course, as an actor, you always want to be in every episode and everything. But this was probably one of the most enjoyable uh, shows I've been on. I've, I have to admit, you know, National Geographic Channel took, really, really good care of their actors. Uh, very, very, you know, they were very fair. They paid their actors what they should be paid. They, they traveled them to these beautiful places around the world. The crews couldn't have been nicer. It, it was a really wonderful experience. And the travel really, really, looked amazing yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Where you yeah. shot. Looked, I mean, you know, the, the, the makeup crew was amazing. Antonio Banderas, what a prince. Mm -hmm. Truly, I mean, as nice as you can imagine a man to be. As beautiful on the inside and the outside, you know. I was I'm looking at a photo of Antonio Young and I was like, this man is ridiculously beautiful. But he's yes. beautiful on the inside. Truly, truly a kind person. And then did yeah. you, how did you feel going back to theater? To do Tartuffe for the Royal oh Haymarket. Well, first of all, it was, you know, I cried when, you know, when that happened, I got a message on Facebook, which was, you know, of all places. <laughs> and I didn't even find it. You know, Ali was going through something and she saw a message pop up on my computer and she's like, what's this? And I was like, oh, it's this person that I'd met a couple of times who was like, oh, my friend's doing 
Tartuffe is looking for bilingual people. He's a big fan of yours from Manly High Castle, so you know there's no coincidence ever. And I thought, oh my God, to play Orgon in Tartuffe, which is, you know, there's Tartuffe and there's Orgon. Orgon is actually the bigger part. Um, and I thought to myself, my God, and to play, to do Tartuffe on the West End, which was a dream of mine. And it happened very quickly. I called the people saying, absolutely, I will do this <laughs> in a second. He called them and before he called us. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> no, I don't think. Well, I no, said, you I, called I, us. You checked in. I was just that giving you a No, no, I think I said absolutely, I would be interested. Then I called you guys. Yeah, no, like, you were good. Guys, I'm doing this. I didn't yeah. care what it was. Yeah. Uh, so that was another extraordinary experience, you know, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, that was truly a dream come true. I, I burst into tears, you know, after I talked to the director, the director was like, I've seen you in Man in the High Castle. I'm a huge fan. He had no idea I could speak such good French and English at the same time. And he was like, because mm -hmm. it was going to be a bilingual production. And he said, and I was like, I'm in 100%. He was like, you know, after talking to you, you've got the part. And I, I remember being, I was hiking in the, in, in some, in the Santa Monica Hills. I remember crying. <laughs> My wife was with me and I was literally crying. And uh, so that was a beautiful, beautiful present. Another beautiful experience to go to London, live there for three and a half, four months and experience the West End with a classical play. Even though, you know, the play was not as successful as I was hoping it to be. For me, it was a success in terms of uh, my performance um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the experience uh, of being, you know, the Theatre Royal Haymarket, you know, where if you looked around, there was like Ian McKellen had been there mm -hmm. and, and Bradley Cooper and Ray Fiennes. And, and it was a dream, you know, to be in English theatre. Yeah, truly extraordinary experience. But your body of work, I mean, look at the extent you've yeah. done, the characters you've played. I mean, so many <laughs> actors choose to be performers and kind of stay one way. In all the yeah, jobs they do, they stay one dimensional. Yeah. You are I mean, so multidimensional. And I, I think you should be proud of this yeah, yeah, unbelievable yeah, no. body of work. No, I'm, I'm very proud of it. it it's, it's, I'm very proud of it, but I'm, I care about it so much that I think I, I you know, I think, I'm super proud and I think I should be prouder than I am. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes I don't realize and I don't realize, you know, the effect I can have, I guess, on quote unquote, my fans. But um, yeah, it's really nice when fans say, you know, you're a brilliant actor. I prefer that than I love you. <laughs> so this and that, I don't give it, don't, for me, it's all about the craft. So yeah. And even, you know, when you go do a guest star on a, if, if you, if you, if I'm really happy with what I did, I, it really makes me happy, you know? And, and yeah, sometimes, you know, you, you think you want to be selective and everything. And I realize you know, it doesn't really matter anymore, especially in our day, day and age, you know, to be super selective. There are certain things I won't do, of course, but, but, um, yeah, I'm sort of getting more open about what I do now. As long as Your I agents do appreciate job. that. Yes, I, <laughs> I can be a little, you know. I you are wonderful. Go ahead, yeah. Nicole. Speaking of agents, I'm just curious because obviously yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've worked with a lot of agents over the years. Yes. What qualities do you look for in your team? 
I mean, there are, you know, I've been with a lot of agents. I mean, you know, it's true that, you know, we've worked now together for what, four, four years now? Four. Thanks for you. I, 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 I love the fact that you can actually, you know, in a way it's hard for agents because they are part agent, part therapist at times. <laughs> and I know yes. that it's true for every single actor that you have, I promise you. Right. And it's not, and it's not something to look down upon. And I think it's, it's really, you know, and, and what I really have appreciated over the years is, you know, uh, the fact that you listen, you're patient, you know, I'm not always the most, the easiest person to deal with. I want my, <laughs> my agents to be loyal, to know exact, to understand exactly where I come from, you know, and to, yeah, I mean, I think loyalty is very important and to know, the direction towards which I want to go to. I mean, sometimes I, you know, I will take it upon myself if I am out of line in terms of not listening. I try to then apologize and, and, but I love the fact that, you know, we actually have a great dialogue mm -hmm. because sometimes you don't have a dialogue with agents at all. You literally, it's, it's not a dialogue. It's basically a monologue, you know. Yeah, we talk about how agents have to know what the actor's wishes are and honor those wishes. Yeah. Without those wishes. Obviously, we can suggest things yeah. to an actor and try to yeah. get an but actor. But also what's really important with something. you guys is that you do listen. You know, you do, you know, there's never like, don't bother me. You always call back. You always, that's a really, people don't realize how, how important it is for an actor to not feel because you know in a way an actor lives in this lonely bubble sometimes and they don't know what's going on truly in terms of the inf information so uh, i think an agent that is really committed to their uh, clients like you guys are really is is very very important for an actor because they know that they are you know, I know the care that you have. Uh, I, I know, I can see it. I can feel it. I've, I've, I've been seeing it for, for years. And uh, you don't always get that. You know, sometimes you're like, you're lured by the nameplate name name plate. of a big company and then you'll never fucking talk to them in months. <laughs> You you'll get talk to the assistant. Yeah, exactly. Someday, exactly. Someday you'll, you'll be like, I love the assistant. Could he be my agent, you know? <laughs> and sometimes you don't even hear from the assistant, you know, and, and, and sometimes you'll get agents that basically you get an offer and they're like, great, I'll take that 10%. You know, uh, mm. I think actors love when they see that their agents are working their asses off. And, and, and sometimes, you know, yeah, yeah. And sometimes actors can be a little... <laughs> you know, not, it's not dismissive, but sometimes they can go, I'm not interested in this. The one thing that's important though, sometimes I feel, um, sometimes I feel that a role is really not right for me. And, 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 and I make violence with myself to go and do that audition. And oftentimes it doesn't work out as well as I think it will. But sometimes I, you know, I do violence upon myself. You know, it's a weird, je me fais violence. It's a French expression. But I think it's a perfect expression. You know, you're sort of violating yourself to go to that thing. 
and it goes way better than you think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that can lead to something else. You never and know. It, and Cassandra directors something. say this all the time, like what you did for Cohen, what you did with Francis McDormand, what you've done for Denise Chamian. Yeah, we don't yeah. know where these are going to lead. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, that's why I love those great casting directors who are used to doing great projects. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll do a great project, then they'll do a commercial project. And, but they know, they know their shit. They know what they're doing. You know, I love going to these casting directors because they know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> no, they do. Yes. They do. And, you know, and they know that the actors know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, I actually love the process of self-taping. I'll be honest with you because I am my own master. And I actually do a much better job. You know, uh, uh, the civilian person, i.e. person who's not in the business, doesn't understand the stakes of going to an audition. You know, you have to learn lines that you just learned. So it's not really, it hasn't sunk in. In a way, I, I, I don't believe in learning your lines for auditions, but we have to do it because I think casting directors appreciate it. I actually think that reading the line off the pages is a better way of approaching a role. It's more natural. Once, yeah, first once you got the role, once you got the part, then you've got time to work on it, to talk mm-hmm. about it. They, people, the civilians don't understand the level of nerves that come into, it's like doing a play, you know, and not knowing that you're going to get the job and not knowing who's going to be in the room how they're going to receive you. You have to be both actor, psychologist, therapist. When you walk into that room, uh, you have to be, to have a supreme control of your nerves, of your instrument. You have to be good, not fuck up in the lines. People don't realize what happens when you go into that room. And then you have to deal with people who are not necessarily the most giving. And it actually doesn't make for a bad audition. Um, but it can throw an actor, especially a more an actor. novice for actor. Me, it, it mm-hmm. brings, it brings my, <laughs> you know, it sort of brings my combative side into it, which is, you know, something that I enjoy, but so yeah, it's tricky because some people, you know, just not good auditioners, auditioneers. Well, self tapes are the way of the future. Right, I think self tape. I love self tapes. Yeah, you know, there's I a have lot a good, of self tapes coming yeah, out right now. Obviously, I have a great, yeah, of course. I have a great setup. I have great sound. I can control a take. Do you know what's funny is I did a few takes for that last audition I did, but the, I, I, I told Ali, do you know what? Let's just let's just shoot the the rehearsal, and that's the one I chose. First it was instinct. So fresh. Mm-hmm. The instincts were just natural. It was just, I, I had fun. I was eating a piece of bread too, because that's what he does in the scene. He's eating pastrami and it's, you know, some, sometimes people don't really read what's going on in the scene. Mm-hmm. That's a scene where you have, if you're not eating the pastrami, it's going to be a different scene. It's going to feel he, different. He's actually, it's and actually really, for the boys, the Seth Rogen show. Yeah, it's really so well, people that are listening. Well written. <laughs> no, well, well written. That's amazing. Well written. Yeah. Nicole, is there anything else you want to ask? Anything else, lady? Anything else? Anything uh, you want to accomplish in the future that you might not have accomplished yet so far in your vast career? Well, you know, uh, it's I, I really don't know. For me, the, the you know what this there's massive series regular, but I, I I'd rather do one on a show that's a rich in 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 artistic valor you know, 
Um, I mean, I'd, I'd have fun in either. I'd been on, on crap and I had so much fun, <laughs> so much fun. I have fun nevertheless, but you know, for me to, to, to be echoing the words of someone who is utterly brilliant would be fantastic. That's, that's the accomplishment I would do beyond that. You know, this COVID, this quarantine, this, this movement, uh, has really put things in perspective about how to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Any the end insight? Goal. Anything safe? Any good insight for us? Growing yes, I really think that, you know, things, it really shows you that, that the most important things in life are the closest to you. I really think so. They're not necessarily, you know, what you, you know, what we see as achievement may not be what people think it is, you know. What is achievement? You know, for me, achievement would be to retire in New Zealand and buy land and make my house completely uh, eco-friendly, eco-friendly, build my vegetable garden, stay close to family, to my wife. And I realized that, you know, in this quarantine, that's who I've been with, you know, for three full months. I mean, we are anyway attached to the hip, but um it's been an extraordinary time of self-reflection and this movement, you know, has raised so many questions about, you know, the, the, the question of white privilege, which is, you know, some people are terrified of and get, and get, and get triggered by, and I don't think, no, it's actually very valid. You know, you really understand suddenly you go, Oh my God, why are we celebrating Columbus? Have you really read about what Columbus did to the island of Hispaniola, which is Santo Domingo now, you know, which went from 500,000 natives uh, of the Carib Indians to 500 through disease, enslavement, killings, raping, pillaging. So the celebration, you know, suddenly this whole Black Lives Matter movement puts everything in perspective it, it, it makes you see the world in a totally different way. And it's extraordinary in, in a way. And you realize the, the, the massive problems of colonization and, and, and of, of white identity against another race. And, and it, it, it is a, a momentous event that just happened. Everything's uh, uh, covered. And you know, if you, you know, some people think about the second coming of God, <laughs> of Jesus or whatever. I'm not religious at all, but um, it's interesting that, you know, coronavirus happened and tested the metal of people's character. I'm talking about caring about your fellow countrymen. I'm talking about people, you know, it tested the metal of, how shitty people can be too, how yes. wonderful people can be and how absolutely appalling and entitled and selfish and truly uneducated people can be as we're seeing in the United States. Um, it also showed how extraordinary people can be and, and, and the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, which has been fest, you know, the, 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 the racism in the United States that people have had, pushed under a carpet that has been festering for 400 years has literally exploded into our faces and brought this extraordinary enlightenment, you know, vis-a-vis something that, you know, we don't understand if we don't live it 
as the people that are living it every day. I, there are so many questions that are important. You know, what I want to see in 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 my future is is more enlightenment, more activism, uh, a new like world, more, a new. You know, I'd like to see more activism in our mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there are many questions. You know, I I don't give a fuck anymore. I will I will speak my my you know before I was like oh, I should be careful about political stuff on my Twitter because I might not get a job. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. Really, nobody gives a fuck. No. I mean, there are people who are silent. Let them be silent. I don't care. Um, nobody's silent anymore. No. People are fed up. And I think it will bring something, you know, we burst the abscess, but now let's keep it, you know, let's, let's keep working as it because people are still shooting, you know, they, you know, yeah, people are still shooting people. People are still hanging people from trees in this country. You know, uh, it's hard to face the shit that you do. You know, it's very yeah. hard for people to face their shortcomings. Very, very triggering, very triggering. Anyway. That's well, hopefully moving forward, <laughs> this that's my abscess <laughs> will But I do think we, you know, a better world can come out of that. A better world can come out of that. I really and hopefully you will be telling some of these stories on screen. I hope growth. so. Or I'll just be, you know, I'll just be a farmer. It's funny because now... <laughs> I'll join you in the farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because no, now it's, it's, you know, of course, of course, everybody deserves to make a living. And we all want to make a living. You know, everyone thinks that, you know, uh, actors are multimillionaires. It's not true. There are. They, it's, it's, you know, guys who don't know actors out there, it's exactly like the 1%. And, you know, there's a middle class. But, and then a lot of actors are not multimillionaires, guys. Let me tell you that. They do it's it because they love the they work. They do it because they love it. And they don't earn millions a year. No, it doesn't happen. So wow. for, for a lot of them, yeah, but not everyone. <laughs> we are so happy you had a chance to come Sorry, and join I, us today. I thought so much. No, we no, love you for you're it. You're our guest. Yeah. That's what we wanted you to no, own no, for. I know. So actors out there also, young actors, you know, really work on, work on the text, work on the classics. They are beautiful to work on. Work on Shakespeare, even if you don't understand it. Do it, it will make you a better actor. If you, you know, an actor always said, if you play Hamlet, even if you're the worst actor in the world, you will be brilliant. There will be one moment where you, you will be brilliant because of the genius of, of, of the writing of Shakespeare. It's the same with Pinter. You know, choose your, your authors wisely. You will learn enormously about it. Choose, you know, work at the text respect the text respect your craft respect your craft respect respect your agents respect your agents <laughs> respect people around you respect the crew around you yeah you no know, do the work you know do the work don't do a tiktok do the work <laughs>